best of you can take your Bible, if you have them tonight, and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Over these last few weeks, um, even though it's been busy, I have had a lot more time just to quiet myself and begin to seek the Lord about the church and what God wants to do the rest of the year, some vision. And I'll be sharing those things pretty soon, some, some just minor changes we'll make. I definitely want to make prayer a bigger emphasis here at this church. I believe a prayerless church is a powerless church. Amen. So I want to focus on those things, have more time of worship and experiencing God. When I was away, especially during youth camp and just being around these young people, this is the best group of kids that we've ever been able to take to camp. They, they, and that's not to demean any other, other years. I believe what's happening are these kids are starting to spiritually mature right before our eyes. And they're, they're forming a bond of unity that really, really blesses me. Doesn't mean the enemy doesn't come and try to mess that up. He certainly does. But it's amazing. And what I'm going to talk about tonight, just for a short, brief little time, is the fact that God is really revealing to me over these last couple of weeks, as I've just, again, really been able to just free myself and my mind and my heart and just really spend more time with him, to be more relaxed and more intentional. And, just, and I thank everybody that has stepped in and really helped carry the load while I've been just out, you know, doing family stuff. And, of course, a little vacation, then youth camp last week. And just kind of kicking back into the, the swing of things this week. But I appreciate all of you. And, and really, the Lord convicted me. The very first weekend, we had made it home from our trip to Ohio. Of course, Dr. David Garcia preached that one Sunday. We were gone in Ohio, had my, uh, my niece's wedding, which went just great. And uh, we stopped in Tennessee and had a little family vacation. And we made it back late Friday night. And I told Leah on Saturday, late afternoon, I said, you know, I'm just missing my people. <laughs> I'm missing my family. And I think I'll get up and go in the morning. Pastor Hal's ready to preach, but I just want to be with the people of God. And certainly there's, that's understandable and, and whatnot. But I actually felt the Holy Spirit later on that evening. And even the next morning when I got up, I was kind of like, Lord, you know, what do I do? And I believe it or not, I read a, just a short little post on Twitter that this guy was talking about pastors being able to get away for just short sabbaticals so that they can just refresh and renew. There's a lot of running and pushing that goes along with this job. I know you know that, but there is. And, and it's one of the healthiest things that, that a church can do is to allow their pastor just time away. And not that I would have messed any of that up by coming to church on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. But what this person said convicted me to my very core. Because he said pastors that refuse to do this are actually using the church as an idol. And I thought, ooh. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, it's not your church, it's my church. Are you hearing me tonight? And I felt like, Lord, okay, I, I hear you loud and clear because I've been praying for an answer. I've been praying for you to speak to me. And I felt that way anyway, but it was just further confirmation that just to kind of give that over. And really what I experienced at camp, and this is what I'm going to talk about tonight and just, just for a short bit here in Second Kings. The story we're going to look at is the prophet Elisha. And a woman comes to him because she's in a serious problem. She, the problem that she has is that her husband has died. And in their culture, in the days that they lived in, which really was the culture of thousands of years, 
that if the husband died, the wife didn't really have any means to support herself and to, to bring food and, and sustenance and take care of the family. And she had two sons. Everybody say two sons. In the Old Testament, when they had children was a blessing, but especially to have sons because sons meant that there was a lineage and a generation coming up after them. That's not to elevate male over female or anything like that. It's just simply saying that they would have been able to carry on the family name, much like we have in our culture today. But for that to happen in this instance meant that the creditor came to the door. And how many understand we have a creditor in the spirit? (laughs) His name's the devil. And the enemy comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy And what the Lord's been speaking to me over these last few weeks is very simple, yet I think very profound. When I was around these kids, the Holy Spirit gave me an unction that he is going, I feel him when I say it, he is going, and I've been saying this, you guys know if you come on Monday nights, your pastor prays this, and you guys are right there alongside of me to pray that God would radically raise up a generation. And when I say radically, I mean get their eyes off of pulpits and stages and any kind of fame and just get so filled with God's spirit that they would go and totally turn this culture upside down. And I'm telling you that I'm telling you, I watched it happen last week at camp. We're going to hear testimonies this coming Sunday of what God did in these kids' hearts. I know on the very first night, 250, 300 kids there, I can't remember what the number was, but there was hundreds of kids there. And I know they kind of just generally polled the kids, and about 125 of them got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues that particular night. You know, God can, God can change a generation just doing that. But then the, the Lord, as I'm praying for them and praying over them and, and interceding during these services, the, the Lord began to just kind of speak to me, and He says, you know, the enemy's going to come. He, he's, he's, he's going to show up because any time that he's trying to stop what the next generation is getting ready to come on the scene, he's always co- go, the enemy always tries to destroy something at seed form. He always does. When, when you begin to walk with God and you begin to feel, feel like God's calling you know, me to something or he's got a, a special something, and everybody in this room, everybody that calls himself a Christian, you have a special anointing on your life. And the enemy wants to come and try to take what you have away so that, here it is, so that we can't pass it down to the next generation and then the next generation. and Because God is a tri-generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's continually working in three generations all at the same time. It doesn't mean that we in this room don't have our part to play. We have a huge part to play. But if we don't reach out to the next generation and show them what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we could lose an entire generation to the enemy and here's what the Lord here's what the Lord showed me listen to this he showed me do not teach these kids to focus on what the enemy's doing teach them to focus on what I am doing and immediately a story that I had heard or read or something but it popped in my mind was a story of a little scientific experiment if you're an animal lover close your ears for just a second (laughs) But they, they took a big boa constrictor, a big snake, and I don't like snakes at all. You all know that. And put him down here in the bottom of a cage. And they put this little bird in there with him. And the bird was sitting up on the side of the, it had levels to this cage. So the bird could get up very far away from the snake. The bird, when they first put the snake in, was so terrified, so scared. He flew as far as he could. He got right up in the corner. And he's watching the snake, right? 
He's looking at him, and his focus is completely on the snake. Not that he was safe, not that he had freedom where he was at on the level he was at. That's, that's some revelation, amen? In other words, don't come down to the, to the, to the level of the devil. You've got to stay up here. You've got to continue to progress. But he got so focused on the, the snake, he began to become comfortable with the snake. And then he hopped down one level. Then he hopped down another level. Then he hopped down another level. And, his, and the snake had not even moved so much as a scale or blinked. It was just watching the bird. Until finally the bird was so fixated on the snake, the evil, that he literally jumped in front of the snake. The snake opened his mouth. The bird jumped in his mouth and he chomped down on him and destroyed the, the, the bird. And what the Lord was speaking to me is we get so focused on the evil, we forget that we have a powerful, mighty, and awesome God. And what the Lord is also speaking to me very clearly is everything this church has need of is found in Him and it's found in you within the context of the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean just this church. The beauty of what we went to Virginia to do is there were five or six churches that came together in unity and in love and in the bond of peace, and we saw a generation radically touched, y'all. And I believe God's just getting started. Let's look at, let's look at 2 Kings here, where I told you to turn. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. This woman we're going to talk about, she was married to a prophet, so this husband was in the school of the prophets. Elijah had what was called the school of the prophets, so she would have had some relationship with Elisha, enough so that she would go to him and ask him what to do. Verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. And I really think that that is a modern-day look at the church right now today. That there is a creditor, there is an enemy. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. As Jesus said, he says, the thief comes not but to. So when he shows up, he has one desire, to kill, steal, and destroy. But if we get so focused on what he's doing in the world, we forget that we have one who is mightier than anybody else in the world, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And church, we need to get back in touch with the Holy Spirit. We need to get back into a close relationship with Him and let His oil be poured out in our midst. So the creditor in the story is just a type. It's a type of the devil. And so she says to the prophet, the devil's come to take my honor, my dignity, my future. He's come to steal something away. And I'll tell you this tonight for everybody in this room, the enemy knows exactly what he wants to steal from you. He wants to steal... And he knows exactly what you have that he wants. So we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to be wary. We need to be on the watch for him. Because as Jesus said, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So this isn't only a picture from the word about the church, but it's also a picture of our lives sometimes. When the enemy shows up, we have to have a response to the enemy. So look at verse 2. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Everybody say, it's in the house. <laughs> it's amazing to me that Elisha points her back to something that she already possessed but had forgotten about it. 
He says, tell me what do you have that it's already in the house. Listen, your answer tonight isn't coming from from some church somewhere, somewhere else, somebody else. Listen, we need to get back to the understanding that as believers, we are filled with God's Spirit, we are filled with His anointing, we are filled with His power, and we can show up and ask God to help us in any given situation. Amen? Amen. See, I believe this. I believe that any true man or woman of God, and this is what Elisha was doing, if you look in the story, is... Is the creditor is a type of the enemy, the woman in a type of predicament situation we see between the lines that he's coming to try to steal the next generation of prophets and prophetic voices. That's what's going on in the story. But in the same way, I think any true man or woman of God, and we should be this way all the time in our lives, we should always point people back to the Holy Spirit. Amen. We should always point people back. You know, when I left that conference last week for, with the youth, I, I, I didn't say to myself, man, what great preaching and what great singing and what great fun or anything like that. What I said to myself is, Holy Spirit, how awesome are you? And how awesome are you working in the midst of your people? Again, if we get so focused on what the enemy's doing, I think we're going to end up getting consumed by all the hate and all the culture wars and all the things going on. That doesn't mean we don't take a stand. You guys hear me. But it does mean sometimes we've got to lift our eyes from what the enemy's doing and firmly encourage ourselves in the Lord with what I actively see Holy Spirit moving and and doing in our midst. And I don't just mean here. I'm talking about all over the world. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, the days are evil. But the Holy Spirit plainly spoke to me. Don't get your eyes focused on that. Keep your eyes focused on Him. And that's what happens in this story. She's looking for the answer. And sometimes when we're looking for an answer, sometimes we need to go search in the house. We need to look back inwardly and say, God, you have already filled me with your Holy Spirit. You've already given me everything that I have need of. I just need to tap into what is on the inside of me. Church, some of the most, there's nothing wrong with calling people, hey, pray for me, hey, lift me up, hey, agree with me on this prayer request. But I'm afraid in the church we're always relying on somebody else to do our praying, somebody else to do our witnessing, somebody else to do our singing, somebody else to do it. And the Holy Spirit's saying, look, if you would realize who you're filled with, you would get fired up yourself. You would get in touch with your, the anointing God has placed in your life, the calling, the gifting, the anointing that is already resident within you, and you would be able to help turn a generation upside down. And I'm telling you this, if I've ever said anything, I'm saying this, I am more fired up to see this generation take their places in the kingdom because I see so much in them, y'all. I see so much in them. I'm talking from the ones who are, who, who are all the way at the very bottom to the ones who are already living for God. God is advancing these kids, and he's moving. And, man, I'm going to start releasing some of them, y'all. I am. You might see them up here praying for you. I'm going to teach them just step out in faith because a lot of times the, the, the power is already working in their midst, and we as adults just kind of push them, oh, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. There's one thing I've learned is when you step out in faith, believing God, God is going to meet you where you're at. And Elisha simply says to her, what do you have in the house? And you see this, the oil that she had was so little used, it was an afterthought. I don't ever want the anointing to become an afterthought of my life. Do you? <laughs> I do not. I want, to, I want to treat that anointing as precious. 
I want to treat that anointing as something that, God, I, I honor this that you've placed within my life. And somebody sent me a little video this morning, and it's so true. So often we want so, what somebody else has. Amen? We do. We look at somebody, well, I want, you don't know what they went through to get the anointing that they have. Amen? You don't know what they went through to get to the place that they are currently at. So here's what he says. The oil's inside the house. He points her back to what she already had. And we know that the good Pentecostal charismatic thing is say, yes, the, the Holy Spirit, the, he's the one. He may be bottled up and barely used, but yeah, he's, he's there somewhere. Now watch this. Elisha's going to prepare by say prepare. He's going to prepare her for what she already had. In the Holy Spirit, in this season, he's preparing this young generation. And what's beautiful is when you get to six years somewhere, is you begin to see the fruit of the ministry that we all do in order to pour into the next generation. There are kids coming up into youth group now that we've been ministering to for years and years. And it's such a blessing to see them on fire for God. It's such a blessing to see them focused and really pursuing God with all their heart, soul, strength in mind. Now watch this. He's going to prepare them. And I love this, when he, what he says. He says to them, not too few. Look at verse 3 real quick. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Everybody say empty. Do not gather just a few. So the oils in the house, he had to point out to her that actually what she was going to have need of in the season that she's in, that the creditors come... He, he wants to take the sons away. There's this awful dilemma. He points her back to what's in the house. And here are the only caveats. And I think these are the, the caveats that God has when he wants to use us in order to reach out to the world around us. Is he wants us to look for empty vessels and he wants us to dream big. Amen? Amen. When I was reading this last week and I just found myself in this passage and I was pouring over it and I poured over it many times before... But I kept seeing this same thing, this same thing. And I think it's the the place and time and season that we're in because the people that we come in contact with on a regular daily basis, they are empty vessels. But you see, God loves empty vessels. The the emptier, listen, the more messed up they are, the more God wants to use them because God gets the glory when they get cleaned up, they get... Break, broke free from their addictions and all the things that God wants to do in their life, then He's the one that gets all the glory because the emptier, the better when it comes to God because sometimes we're so full of our own pride and egos, that's harder for God to empty out. And the people we're going to come in contact with today, listen, they rock bottom, they are empty, they don't know which way is up, they don't know how to navigate this world, but we have an answer that no one else has, and it's something that is already in the house, and His name is the Holy Spirit. It's already there. God prepared them. He said, even if you have to borrow. In other words... Don't miss the outpouring that is getting ready to happen in this story. And the same word is appropriate for the church, not just this church, but the church. Because this man standing at the pulpit behind you, I'm not only starting to see it, I'm not only starting to believe it, I've believed it forever. I'm starting to see the manifestation of the outpouring of the, of the Spirit of God upon a whole generation. And I love it. 
And he says, from all your neighbors. Everybody say neighbors. neighbors. What that tells me is God doesn't just want to touch here. He wants to touch here. God doesn't want to just touch our homes and touch a few. God wants to touch this whole community. Amen? God wants to radically touch them. And then he does this. He sends her out. Everybody say out. He says, look for empty vessels. Don't get caught up in thinking too few. Get vessel after vessel. If you have to borrow them, if you have to get them, just vessels and vessels and vessels and vessels. Could it be, this is what's been on my heart, could it be that we've been crying out for God to send an outpouring and God sitting in heaven saying, I've already sent it? You have to activate and release it. Hear what I'm saying, okay? You have the king of the universe living inside of your heart. (laughs) You have the answer to every problem that you'll ever have in the book of the Bible and in the person of the Holy Spirit that leads, guides, walks beside you. Ginger, when you go on the mission field here in a few weeks, you have everything you need already inside of you. And it didn't come from us, it came from Him. So when you step foot on that soil, remember this word right here. That you have it, you release it, and you go to every vessel you can. And don't feel like I'm nobody and I can't do this. Listen, you do in boldness what God has called you to do, my sister. And that goes for everybody in this room, including this man right here. How often do we shrink back? How often do we think, well, that vessel's just a little too empty, or that person's just a little too far gone. This person over here, well, they're just a little too mean, right? They wouldn't fit in the kingdom of God. Listen, God just wants vessels because God wants to pour out upon vessels. So he says, go out and find some vessels. What kind of vessels? Empty vessels. Listen, if I know anything about God, God is attracted to empty vessels. Listen, the sicker, the better. The deeper in sin, the better. The weirder you are, the better. That should encourage a lot of you here tonight. Amen? Can I tell you something beautiful? And I mean this with all my heart. Absolutely beautiful. Again, when you get to know young people and you see them kind of kind of come up, and whether it be from Children's Church or when we arrived here, maybe they were just going into youth group. My son in particular, he was just going into the youth group age. And uh, it's amazing to me it's been that many years. But, you know, you, you, you see them and they're kind of timid or they're, they're kind of shy or they're kind of, you know, reserved or laid back. And, man, to see the Holy Spirit fill them and begin to change them, we're so worried about what the vessel looks like. Can I tell you tonight, God's not worried about that. God just wants us to gather and collect and draw in every vessel that we possibly can. So my encouragement to you is God is pouring out because what we have need of is already present. It's already here because He's here. He's here. We are, what people need that you come in contact with is Him, and He's already here. So the best thing that we can do is take this word to heart and just go out and say, hey... If you're empty, if you're, if you're searching, if you're somebody that feels like you're come to, come to the very end of yourself, come in. Let me introduce you to one who can fill you up. You're not introducing them to a church or a pastor. You're introducing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, y'all. And He can radically, radically, radically change and fill them. The coming outpouring isn't going to come on those who want to be filled for the 5,000th time. Amen? I'm telling you. It's not going, because here in the story, and we'll read the scripture in just a minute. Here, here in the story, here's what happened. 
She understood that the, 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 the prophet Elisha, and I believe God is doing this, is there's a generation coming up, and they're getting the outpouring upon them. So we, could, we as adults can either step back and say, well, well God, what about me? Or, or you can jump into what God's doing. Amen? You can, you can say, God, I don't want you to pass me by. Fill my vessel so that you can use me for your glory and the calling and gifting that you've placed with all my li- in my life. And in the story, he points her back to what was already there. And again, as I prayed these last few weeks, the Lord's just highlighting and, and speaking to me about people right here in this church that God's getting ready to do a miraculous thing in some of y'all. But here's the thing. You've got to get in position to be poured out on. You do. That's really, that's really the only thing that you can do is just say, God, here I am, send me. God, here I am, fill me. He points her back to what is already there and is already present. And sometimes the Holy Spirit can be the most overlooked one in any church service, in any given day that we have, because as a believer, you walk with Him, you talk with Him daily, you're in touch with Him continually, you can stop at any given time and say, God, what is it that you want to speak to me in this moment? God, what is it that you want to do in me in this moment? What, what vessel should I be on the lookout for today? Because what He tells her is He says, listen, step out in faith, and go get the vessels because that is the key. You say, well, if I invite this one person that I know is really, really addicted to something, or I invite this one person, I know they've got a lot of issues. God, I'm not too sure that everybody wouldn't look at me and be like, why are you bringing these people to church? Listen, bring them. Witness to them. Tell them about the one that has made the difference in your life. Because I'm telling you, God is going to radically change them. God is going to get a hold of them. The most hopeless case that you can think of tonight. He points her back and says, what's in the house? So then she had to take a step of faith. I mean, can you imagine just going all around the neighborhood? Give me a vessel. Give me a vessel. Give me a vessel. Give me a vessel. Can I get a vessel? Can I borrow it? Can I take it? People probably thought, listen, it was a step of faith because people probably were looking at her like, you, you don't have anything to begin with. But she had oil. Listen, even if it's a little... If you've got the oil of the Holy Spirit, honey, you've got everything that you need. You do. You guys are getting ready to go on this mission trip, Brother Rick. You may step out there and say, I don't know what I'm going to have to give, Hannah. You've already got it. You already have it. And, and, And it's the vessels that's the key because here's the thing. It says that she went into, it went into her house and it says she shut the door. Listen. I'm living testimony. Sometimes you just need to shut the door to everything else going on and get with the oil of the anointing of God because that is what is going to carry you through hard times, carry you through difficulties. It's His anointing. And it's the anointing, the Bible says, that destroys the yoke. Man, I saw kids walk into camp depressed, probably ready to give up, and I saw them walking out singing and praising God. And shouting, had, had had parents texting us, different kid came back. That wasn't because of anybody. It wasn't us. It was him. Yes. And sometimes you just got to shut the door like she did 
And listen, when the creditor opened the, came to the door the next time, she probably had oil from head to toe. And some of y'all just need to get so oiled up with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the person of God and Jesus that when the enemy opens, you just say, hey, I'm ready, bud. Because as long, listen, listen to me, this is the key. As long as she kept pouring, the oil never ran out. And as long as we get filled with Him and understand that it is not for us, it is for a lost and dying, broken vessel, empty vessel world out there, that as we go, if we would just allow God, because the difference between a swamp and a river is one important thing, flow. That's it. A river has flow. Your life should have flow. If you've grown stale in your relationship with God, shut the door, get with the Holy Spirit, and let Him re-anoint and re-fire and re-appoint you. Because I came to tell my faithful Wednesday night crew tonight, we got a lot of work to do. We do. And it wasn't until those, listen, it wasn't until all the vessels got into position in place that the miracles started being poured out. I want to see miracles, y'all. Not for man's name, but for the name of our God, because He's a miracle-working God. I want to see people healed and delivered. Some people have gotten in the cage with the snake, and they're just slowly hopping down towards Him, and we need to say, wake up! There's evil. There's sin to turn your back on. But man, when she opened that door, and it says, as long as she kept pouring out the oil... Listen, what, what, what if they would... listen? Let's not think small either. I don't know what God is up to in Citrus County, but it ain't small. Do you hear me? You mean little old Citrus County? Yes. I'm telling you. I was able to talk to other pastors while I was there, met pastors I hadn't met before right here locally in this county. God is assembling something, and I believe it's just to start a fire of revival. And it's not going to hit a church. It's going to hit the church. I'm looking forward to driving by the Methodist church and they stumbling out drunk in the Holy Ghost, y'all. If you want to send that pastor that very message, man, I'm cool with that. I am. Because they were birthed in a revival of John Wesley. Come on, let's, let's, let's get back to our roots. Let's get back to our Pentecostal roots. Pull up pictures of a little one-room white uh, church house. Picture from 75 years ago and a sign right beside it, buddy says, Revival. Those are our roots. We are people of the oil. We are the people who get with the Holy Spirit. And what He wants to do is for us to go out into the highways and byways and collect vessels, especially young people. Encourage your kids. I'm encouraging mine. You witness and talk to people that you think are so far gone because God is a master at turning a gone life into somebody who is found. Amen? He's an expert at filling people that nobody else would ever thought would have been filled. He's an expert at it. I'm living proof of that. Living proof of it. And man, when you, when you get with Him and you start to get those vessels, but here's my point. If we, if we believe small, we're going to get small. Are you hearing me? There's going to be some steps of faith in the future that your pastor is going to stand right here and you're going to say, there's no way that we could ever do that. And I'm going to say back to you, you are absolutely right. But this isn't a man that's going to go into his grave and says, I believe 
God too small. If I get there and says, man, you believe me way too much, <laughs> i be like, okay, Lord, sorry. But I would be highly disappointed. There will be tears from this man's eyes of the Lord to look at me and say, I had so much more for you. I had so much more. And you just, you just quit collecting vessels for me to pour into. That's really, after you've experienced the infilling, the outpouring and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, man, if that doesn't charge you up to want other people to experience what you have experienced, I don't know if you got it or not. I don't. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I stood up on a, on a, on a, a, a chair as a booth and Frisch as a big boy and started preaching, y'all. Like, y'all are going to hell. Right there with your hot fudge Sunday, you in the corner. You are not saved, and you need to repent and get saved. One of the elders from the church, uh, Chuck, was sitting at the next table. He's like, Jason, sit down. <laughs> Chill. And I was in a car with two preachers one time. And they said something that bothered me. It bothers me to this day. Because, I, man, I was so on fire. I was just so on fire for God. And they chuckled and looked at me and said, ah, that'll wear out. And I said, God, I hope not. These are two great men of God. Great men of God. And I thought to myself, but see, it wears out. It will if you forget what your purpose is. And this church's purpose, and it's okay, listen to me, it's okay because we have dozens if not a lot of people who come here and listen, they get saved. Whatever your little gossip theology is about, oh, I'm not sure people get... People are getting... You don't put 20 people in that baptistry if they haven't made a commitment to Christ because we make sure of that. You understand? Right. may not be the way you would do it, but that doesn't matter. God does what He wants to do. And listen, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is beginning to expand that and begin, listen, He's beginning to put them and place them... Listen, God is setting the stage for something incredible. And I've made a fresh commitment over these last couple of weeks. I'm like, God, I want to be right in the middle of this. I don't want my fire to go out. And I think the oil quits flowing when we just get stale and tired of, of introducing people to the fount of living water that we have. We get tired of introducing people to... Because we all know this. The further away you get from salvation, and this is perfectly natural, your, your whole... Your whole entire sphere turns into people who believe like you do, talk like you do, act like you do, and they don't rock the boat. Lee and I make a purposeful effort, both of us, to be continually in contact with people who are not saved. It's revolutionary, isn't it? To say, I have have relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Why? Because I want to, just like in this story, they brought the vessels in, and the oil didn't start pouring, and a little, what they thought was the little, actually was more than enough, because at the very end of the story, it, the, the prophet tells her, he says, look, you take it, you sell all that oil, and you live off of it. Listen, God is a God of abundance. <laughs> That's what I want you to know about God tonight, is that what you have need of is already in If you've been filled with the Spirit of God, it's already in you. You just need to learn how to tap into it. You need to learn how to activate it. And how do you activate anything? Listen, you step out in faith. That still small voice that speaks to you and says, 
Why don't you go over and speak this to the, oh, that's, that's not the Lord. That's, that's not God. God, that, that would embarrass me. God, that would, that, that would make me feel, nah, I just, I'm not sure that's you. Listen, the more you begin to operate in faith and the more you begin to step out in the gifts that you do have, God will, will pour out more and more and more and more. And the vessels that we bring in, they may be empty, they may be chipped up, they may be rough looking. I told somebody at camp last week, I said, well, we're the church other churches pray for. (laughs) Am I lying? (laughs) Which I'm perfectly fine with. They're like, yeah, pray for that church. The Holy Spirit is such a genius at taking the lost, drawing them, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, Got news for you. That's not your job. Your job is to love them through the wake-up calls because it's coming. Amen. Amen? You can speak the truth, and that's the Holy Spirit using you to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. But I think sometimes we, what the Lord spoke to me the last few weeks is simply, don't, don't take my role. It's not what I've called you to do. We don't need to take his role. We just need to work in conjunction with him because as we know of God, God decided... And, and before he ever said, let there be light, he decided to work in conjunction with his people. That's what he decided to do. It wasn't my idea, it was his. So in other words, if it's going to get done, it's not just, will God do it? It's, God, it's God's people wake up, understand that there is an oil and an outpouring that God wants to do. And the more we can invite and collect vessels to come in, that's the key. That's the key. Because God wants to fill empty people. Why? Because the only thing God is completely pleased with is what God totally does himself. Because I have stepped back, and last week was one of those moments where I just stepped back and said, God, only God could have done this right here with these kids. Only God. So what happened? God got all the glory. He got all the glory. And that's what God desires. It's for us as his children, continually point to the name of Jesus Christ. Because he said very clearly, if he be lifted up, He would draw all the vessels unto himself. And then he would pour out upon them. Our sons and our daughters would prophesy. Old men would dream dreams. I'm starting to dream some dreams again. I'm starting to believe God for much bigger than what I've ever seen before. And sometimes it just takes a step back and say, Lord, I'm not going to focus on the snake. I'm not going to focus on the creditor that shows up. Because he's always going to be there antagonizing in some form or fashion. Always. Sometimes you just need to shut the door and say, hey, I've got something in the house that when I come back to the door, I ain't going to be the same. Listen, when you get in all that oil pouring it out, some gets on you. (laughs) It gets all over the place. She was oiled up. The kids were oiled up. The kids were, were, were filled. And they, listen, they didn't just have enough. So much we're just believing for, well, just please, God, just just a crumb from your table. God has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. But you're looking at a man, theologically speaking, that believes with all my heart that we have an important job to do because how will they hear without a preacher? And that's you. (laughs) That's not just me. That's all of us in this room. So all we have to do is go and tell people we met the anointed one that wants to pour an anointing upon their life 
And you can tell it was amazing, especially with my daughter, because, of course, it's my daughter. But, you know, you tell them about the presence of God. You tell them about the fire of God. You tell them about speaking in tongues, which our kids have heard for all the years of their life in the household. And I kind of always got a cross-eyed, like, oh, it's dad speaking in tongues again. There's nothing better than seeing your kid Sheba Kahai and come on somebody. There's not. There's not. Because it went from mom and dad telling them to an experience. You say, man, pastor, you're heavy on an experience. I am. Because a person with experience is never at the mercy with someone with an argument. You will never talk me out of what God did in my life 26 years ago. Ever. Ever. You can argue and argue your theological cessation baloney. You can argue it till you're blue in the face. And I'll just look at you and say, I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And when I saw scales fall off of those kids' eyes and they saw him, it's, it's all that matters. It's for us to be a people in a church that introduces people to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight, church. Thank you, Lord. Verse 6, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Vessel speaks of people. So my encouragement tonight is get with God and let him anoint you fresh for the season that we're heading into. Understand that we are to be doing the work of evangelists. And I'm, listen, I'm talking to myself. And I do it all the time, but my wife and I were talking a few days ago sometime in the midst of the last couple of weeks and just saying, you know, we, we have these people that are in our life that we know that they just need Jesus, y'all. So let's, let's make a redoubled effort of a few people that you just have been praying for and, and family, whatever it is, and invite them to church because God is pouring out his spirit, and I want to see him filled. Amen? And then all they had to do with the oil is just take the lid off. Amen? In other words, you just have to activate what is already inside of you. We just need to activate who is already here at this church because we make him the focus anyway. Let's just let him flow. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for these precious people of God, Lord. What an honor to run the race that you have set before me and them and the race you have set before this church. God, we're not trying to run somebody else's race. We're not trying to to fulfill somebody else's purpose. But God, you have anointed and you have appointed and you have called each and every one of these people for such a time as this, Lord. Lord, we look around and we know and we understand that the days are evil, that the time is short, that God, you are calling your church to pick up and run, run, run with the baton of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we begin to stretch out to pass that baton on to the next generation. Father, I pray for everybody in this room that, God, you would strengthen, that you would gird us up by the might of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord God, we would let go of the old so we can reach forth to the new thing, God, that you desire to do. So, Father, as we commit tonight to continue to to 
to bring in empty vessels. We continue to bring in those who need a, a, a voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into their lives and the, the Word of God implanted and the seed of God's Word. Father, I pray that this atmosphere would be one of freedom, Lord. As we celebrate freedom in this country that is growing dimmer and dimmer, Father, we declare that God, who who the sun sets free, is free indeed tonight. So, Lord, make us uh, with the ministry of reconciliation in our heart and on our lips. And, God, as we go about our day, let us not forget that there's empty people around us, God, that could use an encouraging word from heaven. So, Lord... Keep our ears in tune with what you're saying. Keep our eyes sharpened to see what you're doing right in front of us. And God, we pray that as, they, as we bring them in, we stand in faith tonight to believe that you're going to pour out to overflowing, God. We pray as a group, let the oil flow into the empty vessels, God, as they repent and put their faith in you. We pray that their eyes would be open and they would see you, God, high and lifted up in the train of your robe. Fill this house, this temple. Lord, we invite your presence continually into our lives, into this church, and into this community of Homosassa. God, we remember our churches and brothers and sisters all over this area that are fighting the good fight of faith. Strengthen them and let them be poured out by the oil of the Holy Spirit also, God. We know that that's our only hope is a mighty outpouring in the last days, Father. So we pray tonight, don't pass us by, but we offer you our empty vessel And, God, we commit tonight to bring empty vessels, Father. We love and praise and glorify you. Bless the people tonight, Father, as they go from here. May it never be from your holy presence, but may you continually, richly dwell in and upon each and every one of them, Father. Until you bring us back together at the appointed time, Father, I pray protection upon them. Keep your hand around them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Love you. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. Don't forget, on uh, July 7th, we're going to start a little Bible study here on Friday nights. Everybody's invited. It's going to be a little food and fellowship, and the topic is phenomenal, y'all. Friday nights.